0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, your favorite horror movie podcast, maybe from the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts here every single week. My name is Mitch, and back at the table this week, I got who? You got Kyle. Wow. And,
1: and Boozy. Incredible. Uh, the whole... What a lineup. What a solid lineup.
2: Honestly, guys. pretty good lineup. I've, I've definitely seen worse lineups. Yeah, the start, like if the we
1: advertise this, it'd be great.
0: The starting, <laughs> yeah, starting, yeah, we are
1: the starting lineup. Tell me what you thought about
0: yeah. you work. Okay, um, okay, yeah. So I guess we'll just get her get her going here. We're we're opening up a new series this week, a new three part series in which we are discussing exorcism movies. So may the oh, power of Kyle yeah. compel you, uh, because or actually, oh that was bad. It should that was be... a pretty good one. Yeah, but Kyle's next week. His picks next week. This week we're talking uh, yeah. about Boozy's pick, which is.
1: The Exorcism of Emily Rose from, what was it, 2007? I think it was 2004. Yeah. Five, five, five. you're right. 2005. My man Kyle got me.
0: I saw it in grade nine. We'll get to that. So it was like back in the day when you'd go with like a row full of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever ever had that many friends. Hey, I did the same thing with John Tucker Must Die. That was was the first one for me. I mean, it was a date, but there was like fifteen other people there. So right,
1: you assembled your date yeah. posse. Yeah, <laughs> your date entourage,
0: Nor- Norbit. You
1: know, it's those yeah. kind of movies.
0: But for the people like Bryson out there and our other listeners who like keeping up with uh, what we're watching each week, the good thing about these series is that we tell you exactly what we're watching for the next three weeks, so you have time to check them out for yourselves. Uh, we started with the oldest title here because we, which is kind of weird that we're. I'm actually kind of okay with that doing like newer exorcism movies, but our oldest one that we'll be discussing is the exorcism of Emily Rose. Next week is going to be Kyle's pick, which is what Kyle?
2: We're going to be doing the last exorcism.
0: Yes. The Eli Roth presents vehicle. (laughs) And uh, then we'll be closing things up with my pick, which is a film from 2020 that I didn't see until recently. And I am not going to talk about it on this episode, obviously because I'm choosing it for my pick which is anything for Jackson, which has been described as a reverse exorcism film. It's on Shutter in the U.S. You have to rent it if you're in Canada. Uh, I know Boozy and Kyle are a couple pirates, though, so I'm sure you'll find a way.
1: Well <laughs> Kind of a, a bold
0: claim. A bold claim.
1: Uh, I gave up my years of pirating long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah you I've... gave those years up when I gave you uh, my access code for all of my streaming services.
1: There you go.
2: <laughs> I'm going but... no comment on this one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But either way, I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about anything for Jackson because that's a brand new exorcism-ish movie that we could be talking about, and uh, we've already done an episode on the Exorcist. Uh, I think we deleted that episode by now, uh, so we might visit it down the road. But what what's really left to be said about the Exorcist? We want to. I mean, it's
2: gonna it's gonna come up for sure in the next three episodes. It's yeah. gonna
0: have to. Yeah, it's like the quintessential exorcism movie, obviously. (laughs) But we wanted to take a look at what people are doing these days and lately with the the exorcism subgenre because this uh, this is one of the subgenres that seems to have legs. Like it's it's never going to get old. It's always gonna you're always going to be able to you're always going to
1: find yeah you're always going to find more in it.
0: Even if you get movies like The Black Coat's Daughter, which I know was uh, considered for this series, which isn't necessarily a straight-up exorcism movie, but there's it's a possession movie. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I also I encourage you guys, if, if you guys want to, watch more possession exorcism movies to talk about during the week or these episodes. But, uh, yeah, the only one that I watched I'm not able to talk about because I chose it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like,
2: exorcisms, too. Like, there's always going to be something to talk about with that as time goes on because, like, the general discussion or like discourse between like religion and spirituality and possession that that's going to change over time. So I think it's kind of one of those good genres within horror that kind of will never get stale. I like to think because there's always going to be something like whatever, like the public, like conscious, like, public viewpoints are or like recent events or anything like that it's kind of like a good breeding ground for like different stories to to occur so I think that's even probably why we have like three like solid picks to talk about that came out mm-hmm. in the past like 15 years yeah. or
0: so um, which is not
2: always the case
0: with other subgenres. No, and it is like it's safe to say that we're going to be talking a little bit about religion in these episodes because it uh, plays a key role in it. But uh, right, like everyone yeah. to know that, like I don't know, I'd like to think that we're all respectful enough to not be poo pooing to an extent that it'll be offensive to people. I know we have religious listeners, so I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable or segregated. But uh, we are going to be having an open conversation about our interpretations of what these are and uh, how they work. So that's just a fair warning, but. Just know that we're going to do our best to not be, you know, those edgy uh, atheists who just, like, shit remember on when, everything. Remember when YouTube was nothing but, like,
2: atheist content for some reason?
0: <laughs> yep. See now it's I'm all flat of stuff.
1: I feel like they're always just a little bit ahead of the curve with technology. Like, mm-hmm. whoever, you know, Maybe. find your local atheist and he'll have the biggest TV. The biggest newest one.
2: <laughs> like, I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like... Maybe five years ago, like everything on YouTube was literally nothing but atheism. It kind of freaked me out a bit. I'm not going to lie. True. <laughs> it scared um,
1: Kyle right off Facebook. It,
2: got, it scared me
1: off YouTube.
0: <laughs> All right, fellas. Do you want to talk about what we've been up to in the last couple of weeks? Of course. Um, yeah. Who, who wants to go
2: first? Well, not me because I have nothing to talk about. As Kyle.
1: Kyle. Classic.
2: I it's a classic gonna... move.
1: Yeah, um, I'm gonna virtually spank you. I don't, don't even worry. have
2: some like weird short film to talk about. I don't even have, I even have like, I don't even have like a Bring It On sequel to bring it up on. Like, I really have, I really have nothing. I'm bone dry right now. That's okay. fine.
0: You just better show up for the for the main feature. That's all we ask. Oh, we will see if my agent allows it. I'll I'll get in contact. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, Boozy, do you want to take it away?
1: Yeah. Um. I'm still kind of sniffing around for 2020. Like, hey, did I miss anything? And I decided to check out because actually, it's coincidentally that you mentioned Blackwood's daughter. I checked out Oz Perkins' twenty twenty film, Gretel and Hansel. Oh nice. yeah, what did you okay? I, and
0: oh, this one slipped my mind, and I am bummed about it. What did you think, Boozy?
1: I think it has all the makings of what makes Oz Perkins amazing, but I think this story is too restrictive for oh. for him to work with. Huh. I, I, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's I'm not as huge into those fairy tale kind of stories. But it, it did seem like it just kind of stayed in this one idea. And it doesn't let him kind of move around and have more to work with. I think he is fantastic at creating these tense scenes. And and there was those, those Black Coat Daughter moments in there of, like, you know, this scary witch and everything. But then you kind of go back to it. And it is this base fairy tale. And I don't know. It just... It, it probably wasn't as dark as I would want from, from him, considering what else he's put out.
2: Yeah. So, what is like the approach, though, with the source material? Because, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can kind of go with Gretel and Hansel, I guess. Is he sort of taking like some like liberties with the story, or is it more. Well, I mean,
1: you have to at this point. But I mean, okay. it, if, if you thought if, if I just said that base story, everyone kind of has that same idea, right? We have the same basics, three characters, and the same kind of arc. How we right. get there and how those relationships change, but it does feel like like you know. It, it once again we're we're treading out a fairy tale. You get what you get with it, and maybe that's yeah. just mm-hmm. my bad, you know. But I, I think it was very confidently made, and it had a couple of cool moments. So
0: yeah, that's like I only I watched it once last year, and I was planning on watching it again because that was one that I actually considered for my top ten. Uh, but when I was thinking about my actual top 10, I had completely forgotten about it. So I guess that that huh. speaks volumes about it. But I really liked it. It's just, it's really, it's a really good looking movie. And like, that's, you know, like Exa- it's said,
1: what you expect, right? Yeah. But,
0: Oz Perkins just, he has a vision and it's, this is his version of Gretel and Hansel. So it's a little darker. Uh, it's very like pretty looking. Like he, he's very, he, he, do, he doesn't stray very far from the, um, the tripod. That's one thing I noticed about Oz mm-hmm. Perkins. A lot is of sticks,
2: it's all in yeah. sticks.
0: Yeah, he's very, very cool, but that's because he makes beautiful imagery and like all of his, like he frames up, like some of his frames are just gorgeous. So it's right. just like, mm-hmm. you know, there's those types of filmmakers, but it won't connect for everyone. Cause that's what the one thing that I felt it was missing was a little bit of speed. Like it needed a, just a little bit of a boost to to get going or make you really actually scared because I it, it wasn't overly scary. I don't I really liked it though. <laughs>
2: it's only 87 minutes. That's not. Mm. That's a good sign. It was.
1: It was digestible, Kyle. Boozy. Very let
0: digestible. me ask you.
2: Let me ask you this to end up. I get, end off this. Uh, this film here. The top comment on Letterboxd is, if this had an A24 logo tacked onto it, reception would be different. What do you think about that? Agreed. You know what?
1: I'm, yeah. Totally. And I yeah. think Oz Perkins makes those A24 stylistic. This is A24. Ansel and Gretnel. Uh, right. You know, I'll, I'll agree with that. Whether the uh, reception would be any different, I don't. I couldn't say. But. It's
0: tough to say because those A twenty four fanboys fucking hate movies. Well, at least right. not, well they're right. they're we famous. know that. But that
1: Which... wouldn't. It wouldn't change anything for me, and it didn't change anything for the fact that I really like the director. And yeah. you know, that's the only reason no. I went to watch this. I don't know.
2: I don't necessarily mean that. Like, I feel like your opinion is sort of independent of that. But I'm right. curious. Does it like the general like vibe? and tone of the movie is it kind of similar to what you would maybe consider a 24-esque or whatever
1: yeah and and there's a lot of things coming out right now that are all sort of in that similar vein i think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of that coming up that's cool whether whether that would be a good thing for a movie right now and going forward at this point i don't know
2: I'm gonna have to check this out because I did. I did enjoy the Blackcoat's Daughter. I actually haven't seen I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House yet either. I mean, that
1: is, I, I watched that long, long ago. Uh, very stylistic, and I, I feel like I'm just trying to remember. It was, it was so. It's, it's a fairly long movie, and I and I feel like the story is. It's a very artsy style film.
0: <laughs> it's only ninety minutes, and you thought it was pretty long, so that it is felt, not a good felt
1: so long, dude. <laughs> that's that's kind of how. Side.
0: That's kind of how Gretel and Hansel felt too, though. <laughs> Like, it, it did feel longer than it was. Okay. But I think it's well, just noted. because you're not looking at a bunch.
1: Right.
2: Okay, fair
0: enough. All right. Cool. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll knock a couple off here. First, I want to mention, though, I don't know. Did you guys hear about Darren uh, Aronofsky's <laughs> making... He's teaming up with Jared Leto again to make a, oh, Blumhouse suspe- a Blumhouse Supernatural film. What? I
2: was thinking of something else.
0: Yeah, uh, it's called Adrift. Is what his new movie's called. That he's uh, he's just signed on with Blumhouse, and he's bringing Jared Leto back. Uh, oh, so I'm, of course, like. We're not okay like, with that. <laughs> oh, I f-
2: I fucking hate Jared Leto. Oh, so. I yeah. hate,
0: I hate him too. But you can't de- you cannot debate that he's an incredible actor. I guess Kyle could because you got a bunch of stupid opinions. But like, <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, no, but like you, you know what, <laughs> wow, you know what uh, I mean. No, but a you harsh take. Sh- you, sh- you shit on Jared Leto, but then you have a poster of Shia LaBeouf in your bedroom, and not anymore. Ah, it's one of those things. <laughs> but no, I don't. Know. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm curious to see how a Darren Aronofsky movie is going to translate through the Blumhouse banner. Uh, but I think that's a good thing. They obviously need to start bringing in some talent rather than uh, they've been just pumping out you know teen junk. They got to level the playing field a little bit here. And, I uh, do you think uh, they're gonna get to?
1: Do you think they're gonna get to a point where, where Bloomhouse, like, you're not gonna really have an expectation as to what you're watching anymore, just because they're gonna pull in so many different things?
0: I'm gonna be honest. That's how it's been for me the past like year and a half. <laughs> like there was, there's, they haven't put out a lot of stuff that's very that's really excited me in a while. Right. Uh, they always have those like few sprinkled in there, but uh, it's definitely oversaturated with a. Uh, The kind of young adult horror that I'm just not really into anymore. So that's Like uh, Truth or Dare? uh, Correct, yes. Truth or Dare, like The Gallows, or uh, that type of shit. I thought you liked The Gallows. Fuck no, you've said that twice on the show now. I hated that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime it
2: comes up, I thought you liked that. No! (laughs) I am way more excited for the other Darren Aronofsky film, The Whale, with Brendan Fraser. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. yeah.
1: Does he play The Whale?
0: Correct. He's a morbidly obese fella in the film. I Man, Darren Aronofsky was supposed to be, he owns the rights to a book that I read called The Good Nurse, which is about that nurse who, it was like a male nurse who was like basically killing, he killed like 150 people or something just by poisoning their IV bags. And it's, it's crazy. Like the book was unreal. Uh, but Aronofsky behind that, like he's such, a, I don't know, I love Darren Aronofsky, so I'm always excited for what he does. Uh, but while on that topic, though, I'm just going to knock off a book that I just finished. I mm. finished reading True Indie by Don Coscarelli. So it's a director of Phantasm, The Beastmaster, John Dies at the End, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, just an, it's just a book, a memoir about his experiences starting out as a filmmaker, taking him all the way up to present day. I think the the book was released, I think, two or three years ago. I could be wrong, but it's fairly, fairly recent. Um, But I listened to it on Audible so that it could be narrated by Don himself. And it was just an awesome book. And I highly recommend it to anybody considering making their own movies of any kind. It's just really, really interesting stuff, specifically the Beastmaster portion of the book where, like, that movie's terrible. I know a lot of people really like it, but it's a bad movie. Uh, But hearing him talk about it and his experiences with, like, studio interference, there's so many incredible lessons that you can learn as, like. People who are just, even if you're just generally into movies, understanding like, you know, how the sausage gets made. I got to stop using that analogy, but Jesus. Uh, It's just just really
1: been thinking about making sauces lately. How how does
0: it get made? You know? We're not going to reveal that here. That's that's too much. The charcuterie
1: yeah. table presents how sausage gets made. Yeah, the, but sick. I do
0: want I do want to mention just like I'm not going to spoil anything for the book because I want people to just read it and experience it themselves. But like the type of stories that you can find in this is like he's he's sharing a story about how he went. He was on set for some reason at a like Dolph Lundgren workout video, <laughs> and there are these two PAs on set who were just getting treated like shit, like PAs do for the most part, and he. Uh, uh, the the cinematographer was freaking out at them, like yelling at them. And apparently there was like dog shit. And it was filmed on a on a beach, and there was like dog shit in the frame that was on the beach. And these two PAs just got on their hands and knees and started cleaning it up with their bare hands. And then while they did that, they they made feet marks in the sand. So they were they were like, Hey, you gotta fix these fucking feet marks, get them out of there. So one of the PAs started rolling down the hill, uh, like rolling down the beach and just like you know just being treated like complete dirt yeah. and then he goes up and Don is like you know what I I want to meet these guys because they're the type of guys that I would kill that they obviously will live and die on this set and they want everything that they do to succeed and one of them was Quentin Tarantino <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that was just such an amazing story and I, I there's so many of them in there like all the phantasm stuff he's just such a he's a very eloquent talker and writer um, and I, am a fan of his work. I definitely haven't, I, I wouldn't consider myself the biggest phantasm fan. I know a lot of people really love it, but that's one of the series that I want to go through again. Cause I haven't seen them in a long, long time. I don't think I've ever seen any past two, uh, but it's been a while. Isn't but, you know, there a t- lot of them? I think there's four or five now. And one of them is for sure, for sure, hot trash. Right. Um, but I can't remember which one, I, but
1: I have to ask Mitch, I know this story is supposed to be really inspiring. And I appreciate that, but do you think Tarantino was just down there to look at feet? Like he just happened oh. to be. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Like the one guy was doing a job, that. and Tarantino was just like, "Yo, that's a great idea." Like you yeah. know what I mean? Just kind of sn- snuck he can in get there. get
0: close. Yeah, he just like rolls down and then starts licking Dolph's feet. What What if that was
1: literally like how his career got started? Is he was trying to just look at some feet, and then they're like, "This stranger thing." It. It's yeah, really stuck. You know, that mm-hmm. seemed to work out actually.
0: Yeah, but uh, it's it was an incredible book, so I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, even if you just get an Audible subscription, you'll get a, a free credit each month and I highly recommend listening to it cuz it's really it's really cool listening to the actual person who's sharing these stories read it out loud and I've really loved it. Uh, for the record, so, yeah. we're,
2: we're not sponsored by Audible. However, if Audible no. wants to sponsor us, please feel free right,
0: to.
1: Right, follow. right, right. That's what I was going to say. We should we should like do our own commercials and then just hope that it gets like you know like League of Legends
2: I love my ND mattress I have a great sleep and it showed up right on my doorstep
0: (laughs) that's the ND mattress that's the one that's in frame that I'm looking at right now Kyle oh
2: it actually is how funny (laughs) wow (laughs) that is so convenient
0: well we really support ND mattresses okay I'm gonna knock off one more quick one because I'm not gonna talk about much because it's not a straight up horror movie but Kyle talked about it on a previous episode but I finally got a chance to check out Promising Young Woman uh, which is the movie starring Carey Mulligan, Bo Burnham, and a bunch of other really cool actors that you would just recognize from other things you've seen, especially if you're a fan of Glow, you're, this movie's going to blow your mind at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm i not going to speak too much about it because everybody's already seeming to talk about it, but I'm just here to throw my hat in saying that this movie fucking rules. I loved Promising Young Woman, and I wasn't sure if I was the first like half hour, 45 minutes, but I really admired the direction it went and it was constantly subverting your expectations of what was going to happen. I truly didn't see what was coming. You know, um, it's obviously it's not like a, a bulletproof idea there. I'm sure there are holes that you can poke if you really want to. But I think that's a dumb thing to do with a movie like this.
2: I agree, Mitch. I think yeah. that is definitely there's there's a there's a lot of interesting uh, discussions happening surrounding this movie right now. Some people really love it. Some people yeah. really hate it, actually. Well, it's uh, understandable
0: think, that it's triggering yeah. for a lot of people. Because oh, it, de- it deals with uh, Carrie Mulligan, who's basically, um, she goes to bars and pretends like she's blackout drunk and lets guys take her home. And uh, yeah, like, so it, then I'm not going to give anything else away, but she is pretending to be blackout drunk. And uh, so it's kind of like a revenge-ish tale. Uh, but fuck, it was good. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, um, it
2: stars uh, the star of Shazam, Adam Brody. Yes. And... Um... That's Man. pretty much enough for me to get going, really.
0: No, dude. the The selling point for me was Bo. I came for Bo Burnham <laughs> yeah. and I stayed for yeah, Carrie Bo- Mulligan. No, I, okay. I love Bo Burnham, but Carrie Mulligan was so good in it.
2: I mean, I don't think I've ever. I mean, I didn't expect to give a four star Letterbox rating to a film with McLovin in it. So <laughs> well, that should thought, yeah, that should give you an idea that this movie is definitely Wait, are you shitting watching. on Bad? No, you love no, Super I love Super Bad. I'm just saying yeah. it's not 2006 okay. anymore. Things right, have right, changed. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was know, I have changed. Things have changed. Uh, but no, Mitch, I'm with you. I, I really liked this movie. I have friends who don't like this movie, but I'm not like shitting on their opinion because it's like there is a lot of um yeah. there is a lot of ways you can kind of take a film like this. I think it for the most part, it does a really good job of tackling the subject matter that's kind of my main takeaway of it. I think, I think it, it, uh, you know, it kind of, it's to me, it's swung and it hit, uh, but I can understand how it could be a miss for others for sure.
0: No, I totally agree. And like, if I, I, once again, I don't want to speak for someone, especially in a movie, this sensitive, but, uh, someone who's not here, but Courtney and I watched it and she liked it even more than I did. So, and it was really having a strong impact on her. Um, so it was nice to see that, that, you know, obviously it's connecting with some of the right people. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can understand not liking that one, but I really enjoyed it. So I recommend checking that one out if you haven't yet. Uh, Boozy, you want to knock another one off?
1: Yeah. All right. So I checked out a film from 2011 uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey uh, titled We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, I know baby. you guys have mentioned this yes. before. And I was like, yeah, I'll finally watch it. Um, hmm. so this actually isn't the first Lynn Ramsey film I've seen. Actually, I didn't realize till after I was like, oh, I really liked her style. And I didn't She's realize she awesome. was from, uh you were never really here is the other film I've seen from her. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: a so good. I, I was just watched cool. that. Again, a great film. I just watched that again like two weeks ago. And holy fuck, that movie's awesome,
2: man. So what, what did you think? I haven't seen this movie, I think, since it came out. Actually, Me too. so, what, <clears throat> yeah, what'd you think?
1: I want to I want to give it a positive review, but it's so hard to be like thrilled about it because the subject matter is like so disturbing in this. All right. But yeah, um, I I thought this was a really good movie, and they did an excellent job of, uh, I guess, portraying a lot of emotions of disconnect between family members that you don't normally see. It it basically takes a left at every right you're supposed to in a film, and then any time because the the whole movie is based off of a relationship between uh, a mother and her son. Mm-hmm. For the people who who are listening, and and kind of how it deteriorates to to, uh, to a, a kind of school shooting situation. And, scary. and John C. Riley's in it, which is also odd.
0: Man, he, that guy. He, what a He's in tons of these movies.
1: What a legend. Huh?
0: Yeah, he's in tons of these movies, and uh, but you don't expect like uh, almost every movie I've seen at the Roxy, where John C. Riley sneaks his way in there. (laughs) It's like Cyrus.
2: He's a funny guy because he actually got started doing that shit, like in like PTA movies and stuff. But then he spent like a decade doing like films with Will Ferrell. So like, there's a weird perception of like there. That's I think that's
1: it. Is you you expect him to drop some comedy bombshells, and then he plays such a serious. You know, it's hard to. uh, Totally. I guess that's that's another thing that I think makes a little bit more of an interesting film is if you have that background watching that and having that disconnect with him as well. But yeah. I think this is a very, uh, it's a very good movie, but I, I think it's a very hard subject matter for a lot of people. I wouldn't say it's like an enjoyable film. Like, no, sure.
0: it shouldn't be.
2: Yeah, well, that's, shouldn't. that's a good point. If if yeah. you did enjoy it, though, I would recommend watching Rat Catcher. That's another great film of yeah. hers. okay. Yeah. I think it's one of her first films. I'm not. I'm not totally sure, but
1: like I'm yeah. sure. Like the you know Kevin in this isn't as deranged as as Mikey, which uh, <laughs> as Mitch, Mitch and Mitch talked about.
0: Did you Did you watch it yet?
1: I haven't watched it yet. I have not. Okay. I
0: have not listened to either. I'm kind I'm, of scared. Too. Well, it does, It's coming it's out on a, Tuesday. Yeah. I, I, I watched
1: Mikey though.
0: When we're I watched it. Tw- me and Mitch both watched it twice <laughs> last week. Um, but yeah, when that episode's dropping three days after we're recording this, so uh, oh, people will know what we're talking it, about.
2: I thought for some reason you like put it out yesterday and I missed it or something like that.
0: No. Um, okay. I'm going to knock off another one. How many more do you have, Boozy?
1: I have, let me pull it up right here. I have one more.
0: Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I have two more, uh, and I'll start with Hunted, which is the brand new movie that's on Shudder. They take the core story of... Little Red Riding Hood and turn it into a vicious and brutal survival slasher movie. And man, I thought it was so badass. I cool. thought this movie was wicked. And um, yeah, so the, the synopsis on IMDb is this is a quote. The company of wolves is better than that of a man or than that of man. Once upon a, f- a frenzied time, when woman meets man, woman dances with man, man kisses woman, man grips woman. Woman escapes man, man chases woman. nothing new, or is there <laughs> and it is wild. it is such a crazy movie, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It's another one that I see is pretty divisive online, uh, but it constantly had my attention and like the practical effects and the the violence in the film is so good uh, and so cringe inducing I just i I thought it was really, really good um, so I definitely Definitely uh, encourage people to check that one out. It also opens up with like a gorgeous animated sequence where a lady is telling her her kid. I thought it was her grandson because she seems kind of old. But the lady is telling her kid a a slightly (laughs) rendered version of Red Riding Hood. And uh, it's a very stylistic animated sequence. And it's a really cool way to open the movie. But it's one of those ones that once it truly gets going, it doesn't stop. And it's it's really intense. Uh, so I'm,
2: in, I, I'm intrigued by this one, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's directed
0: by Vincent
2: Perrin probably pronouncing that wrong, but he co-directed Persepolis. Have you guys seen that yep. animated yep. film? Uh, so that... i haven't
0: I haven't seen it actually, but I know yeah, he he's like an up and comer
2: well, I mean, this that's like thirteen years ago now. I was curious what this guy's been up to because that's like a fucking like classic, basically. It's a great film. It's an animated film, though, so that that kind of answered my question a little bit there, Mitch, saying that there's an animated sequence that opens up this film, because I was like, well, God, what has this guy been up to? And but he's been making horror films actually for the past like 10 years, so it's kind of interesting. So and I'm curious to check this one out.
0: Yeah, I don't. I really liked it. I thought it was wicked. So yeah, that's my uh, that that one's on Shutter in all countries, I believe. So check out Hunted. Uh, yeah. Boozy, you can knock off your last one, and then I got one more.
1: So this one, we're talking about a TV series for my last one. Uh, I recently, because Mitch bestowed upon me some Netflix, I was able to check out Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which is already on its second season, I know. But I'm just what? getting into it now. I, it feels like this show came out of nowhere. They might have just dropped two seasons, like, right off the bat or something.
2: What is this uh, show? I've never heard of this.
1: Um, so, okay, it's, it's an animated Jurassic Park. And I believe the timeline lines up with like Jurassic World, like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is—it's it, such a cool show. I—I I, um, I was a little skeptical at the start because it obviously it's very geared towards children. I think that's—that's that's something we've all seen in the jurassic world uh movie series that was going on and kind of how they're marketing things but it, it's very you know like technology hip and like kid hip oh god i sound old yeah. but uh it, it's really enjoyable guys like I, I have to say it has a lot of charm to it and the animation style is kind of how you like um what am i like into the spider-verse kind of animation oh, style? okay
2: whoa really well, yeah uh, it's it's that's like um, praise
1: <clears throat> it's really cool and I've, I've really been enjoying it and for like a kids show i'm I'm actually super invested in like oh what's mm. gonna happen next
0: i've heard I, it's dark
1: <laughs> yeah no and that's i think that's the thing that maybe like keeps drawing me to it is that I, there's more than just a kid's like i i feel like they put a lot of emphasis in like hey a lot of the adults watching this who have kids right now probably grew up with jurassic park so they need something to watch while these kids are watching this
0: Well, don't they, they, like, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but it's also a Jurassic Park uh, series, but don't these kids get, like, actually eaten by dinosaurs? I've heard it's pretty fucking wild like that.
1: Well, I haven't gotten any of that yet, but uh, so far they have been put in danger, so it's very fun to watch. I would definitely recommend for the whole family.
2: I'm, like... I'm surprised, but not surprised that you brought this up, Lucy. Like, it makes complete sense because you love Jurassic Park. But at the same time, like, I did not expect you to drop an animated Netflix series on me right now. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> no. I, and like, honestly, I kept looking at it and I was like, you know, Fallen Kingdom, I really did not like. Like, what could possibly be in an animated series hmm. that would like really do it for me? But for some, like, this is amazing so far. I'm, I'm I digging still, it.
2: I still haven't seen Jurassic World or the other one.
1: I don't, you know, it's, I don't really expect that from you, Kyle. You, you don't not really, seem like a... It's not only really my real house,
2: you know. Yeah. This actually kind of seems more up my alley, to be honest. <laughs> All right,
0: cool. All right, um, yeah, I'll knock off another one. I checked out the new-ish film uh, that was owned by Fox when they sold to Disney. And it's basically been sitting on the shelf for three years. And they finally put it out, and it's called The Empty Man. Uh, so this one, a lot of people are talking about, I saw, yeah, I saw, let's get it out of the way here. Yeah, you have to say that. Boozy, you just... got to say it. So the what? Pee- the pee-pee-poo-poo man? The pee poo
1: No, I was just thinking of like no. all the analogies you could have for this, it'd be like, me 10 minutes like after having like the biggest piss of my life like no <laughs> <laughs> not even that
2: uh boozy said this is the most tubi ass name which is oh true. it is true yeah yeah
1: this is like the most tubi ass name for a movie very the empty man the, I, the spooky I, guy I s-
0: i saw the poster and the tagline and i had no fucking interest in watching this thing at all because i just I'm know i surprised
1: it got past you here like
0: well that's because i've been hearing some really good like a really solid praise for the movie but the first let's uh let's read this this tagline here um okay the first night you hear him the second night you see him the third night he finds you oh. the empty man that is fucking atrocious that's awful who let that pass
1: that's not a good look. No. No.
0: But the thing is this I'm getting movie, bye
1: bye man flashbacks.
0: Yeah, but it's in the it's not like that at all. That's the thing. And that's why a lot of people are really loving this movie. I know John Allison being one of them. Um I'm seeing a ton of praise for it online, so I wanted to check it out because some people are saying that it's kinda like it's a police procedural, but mixed with the Slender Man story, and that's pretty apt. Um, so it's it's like a different. It's almost like a spaghetti or creepy. What the oh yeah, sorry, creepy a spaghetti pop. western. Yeah, <laughs> it's a creepy. It's like a creepy pasta esque story. like
2: spaghetti monster. Is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but it was based on the graphic novel by Colin Bunn, and which was released through Boom Studios, which I, I got a ton okay. of Boom oh. Boom comics. So uh, I haven't read the book. hadn't even heard of it before. Uh, but everyone was talking about the prologue of this movie. it is one. Of, I'm not going to give a bunch away. Actually, I'm not going to give anything away. Just going to share my thoughts. Uh, but the prologue of this movie is fucking wicked. It starts out and I was like, wow, this is not what I was expecting. It was definitely more in line with something like The Ritual uh, from Netflix a couple of years That's ago. That's movie praise, I love. Rich. It, it is, but watch the first 20 minutes, Boozy. You will be shitting your... You will, love, you will love it. I'm actually curious to hear what you'll think about the rest of it. That's why... I feel kind of bad because I definitely don't agree with everyone else. I think at the by the end of the movie, it's a it's kind of a mess. Uh, I think it's a two hour and twenty minute movie, which is horror movie, which is a, just makes no sense. You could have taken out forty minutes. Uh, do you want to pause, Kyle?
1: Are you okay? Sorry.
0: The doorbell rang, which I haven't heard the doorbell in like eight
2: months. So I was <laughs> like, wait, this is weird. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's my it's neighbor that- brought cookies. <laughs> Oh, that's. Boring. yo
1: shout out your neighbor
2: sorry i i that's just was cool. like that's fucking weird why is the doorbell ringing so
1: i thought we were gonna be in that that fucking skype movie like host right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Yeah,
0: okay, i'll just wrap up my thoughts on the empty man so like i said the first the first like prologue is awesome um but i had a tough time connecting with like the teen friend group and that's one my issue with the movie is that there's, they're throwing like fucking 15 ideas at the screen here and it's got so many fake outs throughout it like that's what's really interesting about it but the thing is so a couple of them are so silly and just don't make any sense or they just feel really out of place in the movie I think that they could have really tightened it up by you know narrowing it down to the 8 great ideas that they had rather than throw 15 like I, I'm definitely probably exaggerating with the numbers here but it's a lot it's a lot uh, by the end of the movie, like, I guess so. The director, he, um, I'm he
2: fascinated had worked, by this guy.
0: <laughs> well, he had worked with David Fincher on, uh, what's that? The social network, but he's worked on and the and Zodiac. He's worked yeah, on a bunch of stuff. Cur- Curious case of Benjamin Button, and you can definitely see his, like, it, the end of the movie feels like a 90s Fincher movie in the editing sense, like, it's very, mm-hmm. like very seven in a way. Uh, right. but overall, like, the the movie itself is. It's solid. It's just, uh, I didn't love it as much as everyone else does, I think. But uh, the Mm -hmm. tone is just, it's just strange because a lot of it feels like a mystery. Other parts of it feel like um, cheaper haunting movies. And then other things are more reminiscent of like a CW show. Uh, But the cool thing about it is that it's constantly evolving. It's constantly moving. That's definitely not a slow paced movie. Um, But some some plot points and hooks remind me of a movie from the last five years that I adore. And uh, I don't think I have heard anyone shit talk it, so I don't want to mention that right now. Uh, But there's some really cool ideas thrown at the screen here, and I think some people are going to really dig it. Uh, But I just, yeah, at the end of the day, I just feel like it's too long. Like, it's definitely too long. I think they could have tightened it up. Um, Two hours and 17 minutes. Yep. That's... That's you could and you could have easily they could have easily pulled 40 minutes from it. wow because you could have just taken out some of the really like cheesy stuff that doesn't work because there's there's a lot of stuff in it that doesn't work but then the stuff that does like it's one it was one of the most conflicting watching experiences because the opening i was like holy fuck this is awesome i'm all in and then like Mm. 10 minutes later i'm like why does this feel like riverdale and why did they model that main actress off of will from stranger things You'll see, like, her fucking haircut. It's, it's it's a crime. It's a crime.
2: I have a couple – I've had a couple friends who have basically just said, like, the first 20 minutes are fantastic and turn it off after that.
0: Yep. Um, um, I don't but, know. I, I, don't, I don't think I would necessarily agree with yeah, that. that There's sounds somewhere... a, little, a little harsh based on what you're saying. But
2: I find this director, David Pryor, to be really interesting because – and it kind of makes sense from what you're saying, Mitch. Because he's worked with Fincher, but he's also directed a bunch of feature-length behind-the-scenes documentaries. Yeah. Like one on Zodiac, one on the social network, one inside Lewin Davis, one on the fly, like Cronenberg's Briggs oh. the fly, one on inside Lewin Davis. But to me, actually, okay. So at first, when I was looking this guy up, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like he's a person who like has like a behind the scenes knowledge. Like that's actually really vital if you're gonna like make your own film. That's really cool. And now when you said this movie is too long and it's two hours and 17 minutes, that makes sense because this is a guy that actually just loves everything and wants to include everything.
0: That's exactly it, man. Hour and a half
2: long behind the scenes documentaries and doesn't yeah. want to cut anything.
0: And that's <laughs> so why it makes I, sense. I don't want to I don't want to shit talk the movie by any means. It's just my opinion that it could have been shorter. But like because there's a couple sequences in it that I'm like, man, that was some top notch horror that you wouldn't expect from like the movie. It just I don't understand the tone. <laughs> I, it it's just it's really all over the place he like you said kyle he throws a ton of ideas at the screen and uh i think someone needed to just like you know slap him on his snout and say no when you roll specific. up a paper roll up some <laughs> newspaper and smack the dog who shits on the floor i don't know man <laughs> that's what I'm i would
2: gonna, have done i'm gonna go a soft no comment on that
1: one <laughs> don't make me smack you kyle yeah <laughs>
0: No. Okay. Snout
1: of the snout. okay. But guys, yeah, that's, I got
0: it. That's everything I got. So like I said, I, I don't want to discourage anyone from checking it out uh but it was definitely a pretty lukewarm for me. Like I, I think I gave it a 3 on Letterboxd, it's fine, but I'm I know I'm going to forget about it in a month. Uh but yeah, we uh I guess we can get into the main feature if you guys are interested. That's
1: I'm good. pretty interested.
0: All right. Uh <laughs> we'll see you guys on the other side. I don't care about my reputation. What I care about is telling Emily Rose's story. The Holy Church venerates thee as her guardian and protector. To thee, the, the Lord God has entrusted God. the souls of the redeemed to be led into heaven. Pray, therefore, the God of peace to crush Satan beneath our feet. That we Do you understand how long they can put you away for this? I want people to hear what only I can tell. And what is that? What really happened to Emily, and why. So she believed that her actual possession began that night at the hospital? I think she did. Emily had epilepsy. Father Moore's beliefs are based on superstition. Did Father Moore ask you to give her any medical help? I couldn't help her. Why couldn't you help her? Because there are no injections against the devil. Emily? Hey, can you hear me?
1: Demons exist whether you believe in them or not.
2: <laughs> Just be careful, there. there are forces surrounding this trial.
0: Emily, can you hear me? There goes some Queen Truth on this And we are at our main feature in which we're going to be discussing Boozy's pick of the podcast for the exorcism series, which is the exorcism of Emily Rose, which is directed by Scott Derrickson, who people would know from uh, he directed deliver us from deliver us from evil uh he wrote and directed deliver us from evil he did sinister which is a movie that a lot of people love and dr strange and i believe upcoming he's doing another dr strange movie is that not the he's i think he's exec he's executive producing because i think Raimi's doing that one right whoa right i forgot about that (laughs) holy shit i I could be wrong but i'm pretty sure if that's true oh man i'm almost
2: positive i'm almost positive
0: like sam Raimi? I'm going
2: to double check, but, like, I'm pretty sure. I'm We're on the Wikipedia... Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is.
0: Holy fuck. I just don't know how I forgot that. I there's can't a lot of it.
2: conspiracy theories about that, actually, right now, because he's doing that, which, like... And then Raimi, of course, did the old Spider-Man movies, and now there's a new Spider-Man that will involve the old Spider-Man in it. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a lot like,
0: of... Doc Ock's coming back and shit. Yeah. They're just trying to find a way to squeeze more shit into this universe. So... <laughs> uh... Anyway. But we are—we're not here to talk about those. We're here to talk about this exorcism <clears throat> movie. Uh, so the synopsis of it is: a lawyer takes on a negligent homicide case involve, involving a priest who performed an exorcism on a young girl. Uh, the film is starring Laura Linney, Tom Wilkinson, and uh, Jennifer Carpenter, who we know from—we uh, know and hate from Dexter—and
2: also White Chicks, where she plays. She Lisa. was in White Chicks. <laughs>
0: yeah, she's Lisa. Oh man, she was also... Don't you brought... remember
1: Lisa from White Chicks? Yeah, come no,
0: on. It's... I gotta say, it's been a while since I've seen <laughs> White Chicks.
2: Or Laura Lenny from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows? Come on.
0: Oh <laughs> come god. On. She's someone who... She's also an Ozark, and I just like... She's one of those actors that I just... She bothers me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not i am not a Laura Lenny fan. I, I kind of... Well, whatever. We'll talk about it a bit more. I like her, though. I do like her, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about it then, boys. Uh, I know I want to also talk about the true story in which this was based upon, but I think right. we'll start off by, by talking about talking to Boozy about why you chose this movie for an exorcism film.
1: Um, I chose this one because I remember I have talked about this movie on the podcast before, and it was a long time ago. It was right after Hereditary had come out because I wanted to get my fix of Possession movie. I was, feeling, I was riding high on, on Hereditary vibes. So <clears throat> I remember watching this one and feeling kind of lukewarm on it so i wanted to kind of check it out again and just see maybe where we're at because it is always considered like it is always thrown in there when we're talking about possession like more recent ones this one does get mentioned quite on often and you'll see it's you know usually if you do those lists or whatever it's always thrown in there so it was just kind of a it was a time for us to collectively visit it and i don't know if kyle's ever seen it so it's kind of interesting to see like From Kyle's perspective where he is on this
2: well I'm glad you've asked Boozy. yeah um I've actually never seen this no but I'm very aware of it I guess if that makes any sense like to the point where I feel like growing up this movie was everywhere for some reason it was like very much touted as like I don't know the scariest movie in a couple years kind of thing like I feel like it it was getting that kind of buzz at, at the time um Sort of, I guess, in comparison, like its contemporaries at the time were like House of Wax, right? So it's like comparing this to House of Wax. This was like a more of a true horror you, film. You could, some like yeah. snobs would say, I, I'll just get off the bat. I prefer House of Wax to this, but that is, that's just me. Uh, um, I think this is um, also not at all what I expected. I will also say that I didn't know we were going to get so much courtroom drama. Um, however that is a lot of the strengths of this film at the same time this film takes a very interesting approach to the case. Storytelling. Yes.
1: Yeah, story and that it focuses
2: on it. a, on a case, um, which was not at all what I expected to be honest. I thought it would be more so just the exorcism occurring and kind of, you know, working through like the event itself. And so I was definitely surprised more or less just like generally speaking what, but, I don't know. I, don't, I won't get into my full thoughts here. I think this movie does a lot of good, but at the same time, I think it was pretty boring and too long. Just gonna, just gonna put it like that. All
1: right. <laughs> How long was it? Was like two hours and twenty minutes, wasn't it? Two hours and one minute exactly. Oh, two hours and one. <laughs> just to give you that extra.
0: It's actually on IMDb. It's one hour and fifty nine minutes.
1: Oh my God.
2: Okay. Well,
0: whoa, whoa.
2: <laughs> But I don't uh, know, yeah. man. I, I thought it. I thought it was definitely too long, but um. I don't want to shit on it too much because at the same time, what it was actually doing, the more I thought about it it was pretty thought provoking and it it actually tackled this specific angle of telling the story in an interesting way. I I do think that. Cool.
0: Well, I have seen this movie multiple times by now. I saw it in the theater when it came out and I remember it terrifying me. I was with a group of friends, like we were talking about before where we had like a whole row basically to ourselves. Uh, The theater was packed though. And it was, it got a reaction out of everyone and this was back in the day where i was riding my bike and locking my bike up at center mall to go into the movie theater and so i had to bike home after the movie and it, we went to a later one at the time it was like 9:30 or something like that and like you said it's a la- it's a longer film well two hours ish and uh i That's remember just i remember being fucking horrified it really worked for me this was still around the time where i considered myself a catholic um, I grew up in Catholic schools, going to Catholic schools, going to church with my family. And I, of course, until the family was demolished by divorce. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No way. And then I found out that Mitch, my mom dated I, I one of our priests. I didn't. I didn't How, know that. That's a, that's a bomb. I just dropped that and you guys just flew right over it. But what? Whatever. No,
1: I, I was wedding. Your mom, my mom dated the my, priest.
0: My mom dated the priest that uh, baptized me. <laughs> i'm sure she i'm sure she wouldn't want to talk about this or want me talking about this on air but it happened so I'm saying it and i used to think like i'm notor- laugh i'm sorry my family my family notoriously knows uh that i always thought he was Jesus <laughs> like, when i went oh to my church.
2: God, you should not be saying this this get like a used it a case somewhere
0: <laughs> anyways yeah uh so, the movie worked for me then, though, back to the movie. The movie worked for me. And I went home and I went on my dad's computer, and I remember like seeking out the real story. and then I stumbled across the Annalise Michelle case. and um, I found the the real tapes that were that was based off of, and it just petrified me. And I have, after a couple years, I would always i would always I always look at this one again every like two or three years because I really like it. and um or I did really like it. Now, I'm just going to come right out and say that I think that this should be considered a modern classic. Like I think this movie is fucking awesome and I think Kyle's insane. Um, but I also think that, yeah, I honestly think it is. And, um, you gave us a three and a half.
2: How is that a modern classic rating? Yeah, three, three and a half. It's <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> no! a modern classic. Get the fuck out of here, man. Three and it's, a half. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it's definitely not a modern
0: classic. I <laughs> have, I have my reasonings as to why with the things I don't <laughs> like about it, but the strengths are strong enough, and that's you know what I gave Joyride a three and a half too, and I love that movie. Like it's, well, it's so,
2: I mean, I guess, but like, I, I just. Because you can't I be throw it think... around
0: modern classic if you don't
1: actually love it that much. <laughs> I do. I do. Love it has a point. I you do know. have a.
0: Point. You do have a point, Kyle. But the reason that I gave it's because it does have flaws. But you know what? Some of my favorite, The Evil Dead, has flaws. Like, oh, and I just hold that as on a little bit of a higher pedestal because it's Sam Raimi, and that movie had the such better. a profound impact on me but and it is a better movie but uh but the exorcism of, of emily rose i think this movie didn't really get it to get it to do at the time because so many people were going in expecting a balls out crazy exorcism movie but what they got was a really intriguing drama uh courtroom drama like you said which is stuff that i love in movies i i love law and order i love i, I any movie that is set in a law in a, or sorry in a courtroom i am just there i'm very into it Uh, So I I just love that setting and I think that this was a really interesting movie to tackle especially after learning about the the real case and everything and I think they did a really good job of make turning this real case which you can debate whether you think it was real or not they turned it into a compelling movie that entertained both sides. I really like that it wasn't so one-sided for for a lot of the movie and by the end they definitely take a stance because that's history. Why are you giving me that look Kyle?
2: Well, okay. Well, you. Well, you. I don't know. Like, you kind of said at the end there. They definitely take a side. Is
0: kind of my at the at the very end. But they at least they at least entertain it. They, it's not from the very beginning. Uh, I. I just. I, I like don't know. Nicole.
2: Entertain seems like a strong word. <laughs> like it's it's pretty clear. I think the stance the film is taking. I don't necessarily disagree with that stance, but I do think it's it's quite clear. To be honest.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a fucking dummy. I
2: I guess, like, that was something that I definitely, um, I kind of struggled with a little bit watching this. I just wasn't really sure what the movie was, like, trying to say exactly, because I understand it's covering a true story, so, like, it's going to probably do its best to tackle the true case, like, what actually happened. That just makes sense. But at the same time, like, it was definitely presenting this kind of, like, dynamic of, um... I don't know how to say this exactly, but like re- like religion over science, basically, right? Right. In a lot in a lot of aspects, which which is natural for like what actually happened from my like brief knowledge of this. Mitch, you know more about what actually happened. I looked it up really briefly to get an idea. We'll talk but, about it after. But to me, that makes sense. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I do think in that case, it's kind of like I almost wanted them to like kind of go further on one side, I guess, because I kind of feel like it played it a little too safe in a sense where it's like, okay, if it's going to be a film about religion, maybe relish in that a little bit more without being preachy because the film wasn't preachy, which is something I really liked about it or revel on the other side where it's like, how can we like inter, inter, you know, interweave <laughs> religion into sort of facts for a lack of a better term. How can we do that? And I think the film tries to do that. But I do think it, it it gets a bit muddled, sort of. I, like, I, th- I think there isn't really a hard stance. And I think, no, I shouldn't say that there is a hard stance because it does end up being very much sort of on a spirituality aspect. But the film takes a while to really, you know, kind of accept the stance it wants. And it, mm-hmm. kind of, it lacks that kind of identity throughout the film, unfortunately, which I, I think is the only thing that made me sort of, I guess, go back on maybe how I was enjoying it up until maybe the last act or so. Because I was kind of enjoying these courtroom drama moments, and then it would kind of flash back to like the flashback moments where you would kind of get more horror elements of like what was happening and Emily Rose like going berserk, and that stuff was really engaging. Um, but then when it would kind of go back to the strictly like kind of legal side of things, Um, I was more so taken out of it rather than being like put into a complete like narrative. It was, I was getting like pushed back and forth rather than like really getting a full package. That was kind of my main issue.
0: The pacing is an issue because of the type of story that they're telling. And I think that's, I don't know, I think the reason why I might think that, uh, I enjoy the route that it went is because like, I have done like a bull back when it first came out, I didn't do, I wasn't like fucking throwing on my glasses and running to the library to try to learn everything about exorcism of Emily Rose. But I did enough reading to know that that the the whole case was muddled. This whole Mm -hmm. situation was muddled. Anytime that you bring a, a spiritual spirituality into a courtroom, it's going to be muddled and it's going to be difficult to, actually confirm what is and isn't happening because you're filled with a half you're filled with mostly skeptical people and then highly religious people and that's it's the reason we have the of church and state
2: but i don't know if that's necessarily like a reason for the film to be muddled if anything the film should take a chance to sort of make some clarity of that situation in hindsight and sort of take a, a moment to reflect and present it in a way based on historical evidence and artistic interpretation i suppose
0: yeah no, and that's fair like your your you your points are valid and i want to clear up that I do think the movie is flawed uh specifically it, it but it's has... a modern
2: classic let's not forget
0: <laughs> it's a great horror movie this is a really good horror movie and i I will stand by that but uh I do think it's flawed and like that's the thing is this is one of the movies that's was i i don't know if I can say that it started this whole trend but the whole cgi droopy faces thing like the yeah that yeah.
1: that engrave encounters oh, and i was just, thinking that too it's so it is, bad
0: like it's around shit, the time
1: where it started it for sure
0: yeah that shit I, just is that never scary, scary. that
1: what is that ever scary uh, that's the thing
0: apparently it, it scared scary. Courtney.
2: it might have been <laughs> wow it, it might have been scared like i'm sorry might have been scary then I think like this would have been the only time it could have passed, maybe, 2005.
1: Do, do you mind if I interject upon something that you guys... You guys are both having a very interesting conversation that I want to add to a little
2: bit. Sorry, Let's do but it. get in No, there. no,
1: no. no, no. I, and I, was, I was loving the energy. So I just want to say that like, I, I kind of feel myself sitting a little bit in the middle because half of this movie is really good, and the other half of it is its own thing which is fine, but together it's the the pacing that really is the problem. And it comes down to, I, I kind of was trying to figure out why I was having trouble connecting with this film because I think when it actually does cut to the Emily Rose stuff and her doing, like Kyle was saying, like a lot of the crazier stuff, um, I did love the, the possession elements of like, you know, the voice changing and the different languages, her eating bugs, that sort of stuff. It was just more or less, um, I kind of realized that there was no stakes for me watching it which kind of took me out of it a little bit because they had all these really interesting like i'm going to use the example of the one where she breaks out of the hospital and goes to the church i think that's like the first time she really gets possessed right and her boyfriend shows up and sees that so that all happens and then it just kind of cuts to a courtroom so i i it, it loses all this tension of like Oh, is she going to, like, maybe attack him? And I understand that they're trying to be a little bit more accurate to how the case is. It's just when, when you're presented stuff like that and it's so all over the place because, like, I, I will give... And I, I've thought about this deeply, and I know this will bring a big old smile to Mitch's face, is I think the way they set up the whole family dynamic in Annabelle Creation does a better job than what this film is doing with the same basic idea. If you want to, if you want to kind of break it down is that idea that at the end, they're um, not that these, those movies are the same, but it's kind of that idea that they both take place at this um, kind of, uh, what would it be? Uh, Like Like a a farmhouse. Yeah, exactly. uh, Separate from everything. Whereas like Emily Rose, they had all these really cool, um, you know, like her wandering in the mist. They had all these great set designs or her in the barn and everything, but they never set it up to be like, Oh, that's, the family Mm. barn enough it it felt like nothing was was anybody's whereas like i'm when i want to say with annabelle creation is the whole time you're more afraid because you're like oh this is their house you're in this house constantly whereas this one it's like i'm at a hospital i was at she's cake and then that's another thing is i was having trouble with her character because at one point they have like they bring to attention this doll that she has but another point they say that she's 19 and just got accepted to school and she's in like a grad university kind of thing and -hmm. then all of a sudden she kind of reverts back to almost being this child which i know is kind of closer to the age that the real account is based off of i don't know it's just it's hard to keep track of that character and figure out where she's at and where everybody else is at. that's kind of the one thing that i realized like this movie has a ton of great visuals like even the box art is that you know her wandering through totally. the mist which is an iconic yeah. shot and it looks it yeah. looks great all that stuff looks great but it's it's kind of that idea of like where is the stakes within that that kind of bothered me watching it again
2: yeah that's that's a good point boozy i mean that that's that's a tough thing that you know this director would have to tackle with a true story like this right right I mean, like, but like
1: you know like let's say the scene where you know she's in the barn and, and the horses get out like yeah give me something that like she had any connection to these horses like i i did like the kind of the idea that she had all these cats and they did the callback that the cats attack (laughs)
2: yeah i
1: like that uh, too yeah it's like it's that idea that they set that up so when you saw those cats come in you're like oh she you know always took in these cats they're gonna work with her whereas like give me something with the horses and i know this is such a minor detail but it just you felt so detached from everything that was going on it was like were chasing her around like i didn't even believe that that was like her sister in that moment you know what i mean like i don't think you're
2: i don't think it's a minor detail at all boozy i think you you strike a really good point because like i think generally speaking the c- courtroom i guess like modern day aspect to me but, like is the probably, law and it, order
1: stuff like, that, i to think you. that's
2: probably the strongest part of the film if i'm being completely honest um and because of that the past tense stuff and the more like horror elements they kind of feel just like shock rather than substance you know yeah and the shock is actually pretty effective and if there's some really terrifying gruesome shit in this film but you make a good point where it's kind of like okay like it's almost like a prolonged jump scare like one Mm -hmm. really long jump scare where it's not necessarily like a bad thing it's like effective for what it's trying to do but there's not really like anything more to it than that because the character of Emily Rose, even though we see her several times on screen, we only know who she is from other people saying who she is. We never get her to really explain who she is as a person.
1: Exactly. And, and we're given right from the start that she's dead. So we have to build this character and, right. and care about a character who we know has already failed all this stuff. So seeing it is more of that. You're, you're right, Kyle. Is that kind of that shock value idea. Um, like that another scene is like it, it's another great scene is when her boyfriend wakes up from sleeping. And she's it's my favorite. And and it's it's an iconic thing. So I will hundred yeah, percent That is great. Absolutely. Yeah. It is great, but it's because nothing happens after she goes bleh, it cuts to the courtroom <laughs> again. If it was something where like she chased her boyfriend to the bathroom and he like locked himself in there or something, just give me that like extra bit of tension, that would have that scene like is, is so effective. It's just it it is the fact that it, it kind of railroads itself. Mm-hmm. And I, think... I feel like that's what it does a lot in this.
0: So it's, it sounds like you wanted more horror. You wanted them to lean more horror, whereas Boozy or whereas Kyle was enjoying the court side of things because it was just a an interesting conversation. Absolutely, um, yeah, but, and I think the, it was. The, those are both very valid, and like I—that's the thing. I know that I shouldn't have came out here with swinging, swinging the word ma- ma- modern, masters. modern
1: classic <laughs> while you're throwing modern a three classic, and a half yeah. on them.
0: <laughs> Fuck it. I, I'm still standing by it. I think it's a classic, and I think it's going <laughs> doesn't to be something. Does make any sense? Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, no. But I have the, I have those issues as well. What's funny is that I—we all have different issues with the story, and mine is that I think they could have spent more time with the parents and the actual family. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because I they're. They're, they're the ones who were the ones who called the priests and insisted on their child having an exorcism rather than continually continuously seeking out more medical attention. So mm-hmm. that's something that they could have improved upon. But I just think, like, Boozy, you had mentioned the, the I think the horror scenes, for the most part, really work when they're not doing the droopy face bleh, thing yes. that's just lame. It's so lame. It's not scary. It deflates any tension that you're building. But then you have the scene where, like, even when she's going into the church, like you mentioned, and she's contorting her back. By the way, I normally, like, I, I don't like Jennifer Carpenter because she's really good at what she does. She always plays those unlikable characters or those annoying characters but she's doing the job right and i think that she was perfectly cast for this because she's also creepy before she's even possessed and like just like her stature and the way that she carries herself it's just she's very thin and she's she can contort herself in certain can ways Can i
1: can i ask like how tall is she cuz there was one scene where she's they tall. show her and she looks like she's like Four foot nothing so i don't know if that was like a, it was like a camera trick or something to make her look younger but i was Maybe. like she should not be built to the size that she is yeah
2: um, i think um, i think i couldn't help but think like watching her in this film if this was released now that like everything just would have been like memed to death isn't that it's gonna like yeah. I, I like a sick feel like where it's like wow I like definitely watch movies differently now you know <laughs> like right. yeah
0: but I don't. Oh. I I personally felt like you could feel her pain throughout the movie, and I thought that that was enough character development in her because, like you guys said, like a, your while your opinion is entirely valid, um, they took they decided to take the approach where the movie opens up with the priest in prison, knowing that she's dead. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that isn't going to work for a lot of people because that almost deflates any tension because you already know what's happening. But I think what you're supposed to care about more is the priest and whether he was just in what he did and where he didn't, and the family and what they did. And I'm, I'll come outright. I'll come outright and say it. After doing a lot of like in, um, research on this movie and the real case, I still think that priest was guilty as fuck, and I think the family should have been more held accountable um, because like there's just too many. There's too much. Proof like she was, she died of malnutrition. Like, you, and she's licking up her own piss and eating fucking spiders. I don't know if they do it. I don't think she licks up her own pee in the movie. No, no, uh, but in there real is life, there's something
1: about that. the rating for that where like you really can't show that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that
2: okay. That's interesting, then, Mitch, because that makes me kind of like that. That's too bad, actually, because I felt like, like, knowing like what you're saying about what I like, what actually happened or like sort of what you personally think, I suppose. Um, Like, I. I wish they would have put more of that in the film then. I wish that but, was a bit see, more but evident. But that,
0: that's my that's my stupid atheist, but I'm not even atheist. I'm like, if yeah. anything, agnostic. Like, but not <laughs> I, not necessarily that that like it has to like be like so like wholeheartedly
2: disproving that yeah, yeah. fact. But I think it needed a little bit more like the stakes didn't have to necessarily be like, is it true? Is it not true? But the stakes needed to be there in like having more validity for either side. Cause I don't yeah. think that really happens here, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I I think you're right, Boozy though like if there was more time spent with some of these other aspects of like the and Mitch, you mentioned this too, with like the family, I think that would have been really more effective for when we do get those flashback parts, because for the most part, I think really the, the biggest flaw of this movie is just the structure. I, th- I think, I think it, it's covering as much ground as it can with like a really interesting and dynamic story like this, but it's hard to really piece all that information together. And I, yeah. I think that was just the flaw here. That's, that's the biggest, right. Flaw.
1: I think you so can, you well. can tell it has that power and it also, when you look at kind of the, the story it's telling in terms of the rules that it gives with like, because obviously a lot of this is extended, not from the direct story, but like the, the three o'clock thing, how they, you know, the reference yeah. to that, which, you know, I couldn't common- find
0: any. I couldn't find anything, sorry to cut you off here, but I couldn't yeah. find anything about that. I just know that that's like a horror movie staple. Yeah, exactly. And, it's also, and I feel like it right. comes
1: from stuff like this because well, they explain it so well in this. Like, it's oh, it's a real
0: thing that, three, that between three and four is the witching hour. Like, that's yeah, just the, yeah. that's just a thing. But uh, they definitely play on it so hard in this movie. And it's, But the thing is, I do think that while I think that's kind of silly... That's the kind of shit that kept me up at night because right. like, it's just the way that your brain works. Like when you're a kid and you're scared of that shit, I can't count how many times I've woken up at three 15 and immediately thought of this movie. And right. uh, cause that happens a lot. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just infested with demons. Who knows? So it but could like, be. it and, would and explain I, a lot.
1: <laughs> I also want to say that like going back, kind of that idea I had where it is kind of a, a, best of clips when it comes to more of the direct horror stuff i think the stuff in the barn is fantastic yeah Yeah. Yeah. i think i think that's probably the best shot in this film aside from the fog shot is when he's asking you know what the demon's names are and then all the lights come out and you just have the like the whites of her eyes that like that sort of stuff that's fantastic and Mm -hmm. it's just it is a shame that we didn't get more to invest in with these characters because that like holy shit talk about a good scene that's still scary and effective years later see that, yeah. that's
2: the issue is because there are a lot of good things happening here but since it's fairly confused and how it puts it together it comes mm. out a lot well for me it came out a lot more bland than it needed to be if this film was maybe cut differently i think it would have been a Right. A lot better film, if I'm being completely honest. I, I,
1: and also, I think that we needed to have more for Laura Linney to have happen because, you know, like, she... Did she not get... The whole thing with her is that she has this guilt because she got some guy off for murder and then he went and murdered somebody mm-hmm. while this case was taking place. And they also the mentioned that, like, the, the priest mentioned to her that she's going to go to battle with, like, demon forces once oh my God. she gets into the case? I'm that assuming... was the part I laughed at. What he said assuming...
0: I did, too. I did, too. Is that the part you are talking about, Kyle, before? Because where he okay. goes, that was... story needs to be told. Okay,
2: that was just really cheesy, unfortunately. But, no, yeah. I have to talk about this one thing. What in what the fuck up was up with the weird skyscraper bar where all the villains hang out and have martinis together they go to the same bar every 25 minutes and they all have, have you, like have you what, seen it? Oh it's, mar-
1: yeah, it's always a martini too but
2: like, <laughs> that was just so fucking lame i hated that so much it was so stupid it's funny it's because they are apparently-
0: fucking broke boys who are never going to be lawyers who can afford martinis every 20 minutes <laughs> You okay. guys are just jealous and you're projecting onto this <laughs> masterpiece of a movie. Yo, but if you're that
2: rich, then maybe have some variety. Go to a couple different bars where you
0: can get some different drinks, like I don't hey, know. Hey, don't like, fix what uh, isn't broken. I, I don't
1: have a problem with that. I just have it's so weird that that if you're doing this case, I'll, I'm going to go back to my point here that you're all of a sudden more inclined to demon things happening, would that not translate to every single person then? Would like the judge not be dealing with this totally. shit too?
0: I guess so, you're right. Well, demons, they they, uh, they... they only go
1: after the prosecution. Or, oh, or you know. the defendants, right?
0: Right. Yeah, they're they're, they're very the picky and choosy. Forgot about that oh. demon fact.
1: Yeah. Also, shout out to this movie being filmed in Vancouver.
2: Hell yeah. Back yeah. 2005? That's That yeah. was a good look back then. I guess they actually <laughs> shot that. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then there wasn't that many productions in Vancouver. Now there's a ton, yeah. so that's cool. Uh, like they they apparently filmed the skyscraper martini scene on the lower floor of the building
0: but painted the windows look like a skyscraper so that's respect. Oh, that is respect. but uh, do, you guys, do you guys want me to share some information about the real case? I, might, I, I, do, f-
1: I do but I have one thing I want to, one more thing and then I'm done okay. <laughs> I just want to mention that one scene that that probably we wouldn't have brought up is when the <clears throat> when the priest is getting uh I guess attacked at night by the demon force. Mm-hmm. Holy hardcore Henry with the fucking camera oh, on that! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was so jarring because it never happened at any other point in this film, and then to all of a sudden go to this weird, like, it was kind of cool. Person. It yeah. was really cool. It just yeah. it was so out of place in this, and it, it reminds me, like this is what hardcore Henry is. I'm assuming.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I got one more thing. I like the part where Jason is kind of talking to Laura Linney for like to give him like some insight into the relationship. And he's just basically spitting like a Treyu lyrics like so much of what we shared was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's true. Hey, it's, it's a, gloss and
0: black. It's a little it's a little <laughs> corny, but the thing is it's a it's a horror movie. And that that's why I think it's it's not it's not overly successful in either venues, but to get, I don't, I just really like it. I, I, I really it's, like what it's, it's heavy doing. handed though. It, it, yeah. It's not all the time, but then
2: sometimes it's it not. is like,
0: there are demon forces among us.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. No, like,
0: no, Emily's story must be told. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's like, that's that, the only part I i was like, Ugh.
2: which is too oh. back, is that kind of gives like a little bit less legitimacy to the priest, which we're kind of rooting for the priest.
0: You're supposed to be, yeah. you're supposed to yeah. be, right? But then I think it was like the year before or the year after where he was playing Falcone and Batman Begins, and it's like, fuck this guy. But he's he's a really good actor. I think he's (laughs) good at just he's given some given some corny lines.
1: I also think Laura tell us about the real case. Tell us All all about it.
0: So all this information that I gathered was from the YouTube channel titled The Story Behind. And then you guys are gonna laugh at this, but I also pulled from BuzzFeed's the chilling exorcism. Uh, which say what you want about BuzzFeed, but journalists did their, but the journalists they did their job in this, and they they entertained skepticism on both sides. Uh, but I thought that that if you can find that on YouTube, it's actually really interesting. It's 15 minutes long, and it's actually really funny. Like they they start like mimicking like the real tapes and and what you what you would have been saying at the time. Uh, but yeah, so it was An- Annalise Annalise Michelle was her name. She was born in 1952 in Clinton. Klingenberg, Germany. Sorry, Andy, if I fucked up that, that place's name. <laughs> but um, on uh, September 1968, she was 16 years old when she experienced her first episode. But Annalise Michelle went through 67 exorcisms in 10 months. She had broken knees, fractured teeth, bruises, and wounds all over her body. She died of malnutrition and dehydration. She grew up in a religious family of Catholics who attended church twice a week. And when she was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and she began walking in a trance-like state. But she didn't remember what she was, what was happening to her. She claimed that she smelled burnt feces and the family confirmed this. And that's one of my things. I was like, wait, they're on a fucking farm. <laughs> also, how can they confirm
1: it? They're, that's yeah. what she smells. Well, what the yep, fuck? Is, how are they going <laughs> to? Oh, well, no, yeah. because
0: they, they smelled the burnt feces as well. And like scent is a big thing about uh, invoking and all like the exorcisms, mm-hmm. it, it all but
1: just the, the way it's worded, it makes it sound like they're being like, Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally yeah. what no, chucks out, like, chucks <laughs> out, yeah. Uh,
0: likely in this, yeah, I don't know. The same night, uh, she felt a heavy feeling on her chest and then she peed her bed. Uh, the same this, or that's wait, a year like,
1: that's being drunk, like exactly. every good alcoholic does this.
0: There's a lot that I have to say about this afterwards, but a year later she experienced the same feeling and began having convulsions. She went to a neurologist who determined nothing was wrong with her brain. She later caught tuberculosis and there, and there she experienced her third episode. She then visited her neurologist again who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy. The disease causes seizures, memory loss, and hallucinations. She then began believing that she was possessed by the devil. Annalise would lick her urine off the floor, she'd eat spiders and cockroaches, and ripped her clothes off. She would avoid religious items like crucifixes and holy water. Her family seeked out multiple exorcists who advised them to continue medical treatment. That's very important, I think, is that the the exorcists themselves and the the Vatican and the people that they were talking to were saying that that she needed to maintain medical treatment. Hmm. Each exorcism, though, lasted several hours, and... And the, uh, Annalise, she would talk in distorted voices on, the be- on behalf of six demons. She believed she was possessed by Lucifer, Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler, and Fleischmann I don't know who Fleischman is, but like, so she threw in Hitler in there. And I guess he oh. is. A, it could be a demon if you believe in that stuff. Um, but she just named off all the evil names that she could think of basically is what I thought. Yeah.
1: She, she foretold of Kane from WWE. Like,
0: well, that's on the Buzzfeed article. The guy was talking and he's just like, she's just running out of ideas of evil people. And then goes like that blonde guy from Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, Annalise didn't receive any medical attention and she died in 1979 of malnutrition. She died at 23 years old and she was 68 pounds. Uh, Two priests and her parents were charged with negligent homicide. The priests were sentenced to six months in jail, though it was later suspended. Her parents received no punishment because they had, quote, had enough, uh, which was a criterion in German law. Uh, They did extensive research to her brain after her death, and neurologists found no signs of any brain damage, even at a microscopic level. But what I have to say to that is keep in mind that it's 1968. Like technologies and like just medical practices have gone so far from then. Uh, But one of the main exorcists, uh, Father Alt, he exhibited signs of schizophrenia. So that's another thing that could, you know, be added to this little conglomerate of a messy situation that they have. Um, But just, yeah. So that's that's pretty much what I have.
2: That's interesting. I, I guess like with that being known, there's like definitely more of a sort of, like, clinical approach to everything that happened, right? This is more, um...
1: I... I maybe... You have to wonder if maybe, um... She didn't want the holy water and the crosses because, like, if you have had 67, uh, exorcisms, I'm assuming as soon as you start seeing them pulling that out of your kit, you're gonna be like, I don't want to do uh,
0: this. Yeah, you yeah, know, You know
1: what I mean? Like, it's a healthy totally. reaction.
0: Also, you know... Uh as a woman who grew up going to church twice a week with her highly religious family, there's every possibility that all of these thoughts were put into her head and she's dealing with guilt. And that's like a thing that happens with a lot of exorcism cases is that they're determined to be like suppressed guilt. And, uh, I think that there's, see, there's a possibility for that happening, but the whole malnutrition thing and her losing all this weight, you know, could have to do with the fact that they were just like, she was eating spiders and her own urine. Uh right. but not, like the, not not a balanced record. Not, I don't know. Not, get, I don't not know. getting medical attention, not getting any medical attention where they just completely stopped. Right. And then you have these dipshits coming in who are, you know, it's it's just fairy dust to me. I don't know. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't understand I personally think that that guy should have gotten a harsher uh, a harsher sentence, or the parents at least should have gotten a harsher sentence. Uh because at the end of the day, it's really their fault forgetting what did they what did they claim they've had enough
1: and you can just be like yeah i don't i don't
0: want to deal with it yeah well i don't know much about german law but apparently back in the day that was a thing but it was i think it also has to do with because like they had been dealing with this illness for so long that i think the court maybe just you know gave them a little bit of a break they're like hey this has been enough because they obviously went through the ringer Went. they went through some horrible Mm -hmm. things uh, but I don't know, listening back to I listened to all the the tapes that everyone's so scared of and everything, and I'm like, this is just a girl distorting her voice like like any girl could if she's that fucking psychotic and you know, mentally ill and saying all these like she's giving reasons as to why she's in the situation that she's in, and I just don't buy it. I but I also I don't believe in exorcisms at all. I don't believe in any of that shit.
2: I think to be honest, in the case of like this film in particular, like it's just a more interesting screenplay to take the exorcism approach, right? Yeah. Like right. if you were, if you were to be more, what you're describing, Mitch, like more to like, I guess what actually happened, then that is just, generally speaking, like somewhat less interesting. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want film. to watch
1: somebody like drink piss and eat spiders for two hours. In a well,
2: maybe not that it's less interesting, but it's more like, I mean, like that is messed up, but that could be interesting, <laughs> I guess, in a sense for a horror <laughs> film. Like that, that could be, it could be. And so that kind of makes me disheartened a little bit because I feel like they're really just sort of like bending this true story to fit like the narrative of, that they wanted for this film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> which, which, which is a little too bad. I mean, however, that probably happens nine times out of 10 with a lot of true stories like adaptations, right? Like, yeah, they're not always wholeheartedly from what happened. So I won't really knock the film too much for that, but that I mean, that does give insight into this situation as a whole
0: because I mean like damn this is a really interesting case at the very least right like yeah and this is like one of the one of the few cases that our people have been pulling from from a long time i'm not sure if you either of you guys have seen it i know our friends at Erie international did an episode on it a while ago uh but requiem it's just called requiem no, and it's it's really? actually uh i've heard that it's better and it's the mm. the same story but i've heard it's better and it's tr- treated with more of a straight face uh i still haven't seen it so i can't to speak too much about it but I don't know. I think out of Scott Derrickson's work, too, I think this is his best horror movie. I'm not sure if you guys have seen Sinister, and I know a lot of people like it, but I think this is far better than Sinister. Fan. Yeah,
1: I, I'd I, say I tend to agree. I'm not a huge fan of Sinister. I think
0: I saw, is that the one where, like, Ethan Hawke watches videotapes? Yeah, and okay. he walks around with his fucking, with no lights on in the house for some reason, and just I, a I little see, light. He. Hey, we talked that. about this
1: before. He's saving yeah. money.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> And I then the I, I
2: think I liked it a little bit. I don't really remember. I don't remember it very the
0: much. snuff tapes were cool. I remember the trailers being like amazing. And I was so, oh, oh, that's with what they're their
1: lawnmower The yeah, lawnmower event
0: yeah, and the family in the in the swimming pool. Like yeah, that's all yeah, wicked. Yeah. But then it completely everything sucks the it sucks the tension out when you see Mick Johnson from fucking Slipknot coming in and being bagul. really Um, it looks just like him and constantly doing that whole jumping in front of the camera to scare you thing i just uh, i just didn't i was very disappointed by
2: that movie so there was something really funny that i found out about this film uh do you guys know the actor dustin milligan you know who that is
0: Mm, doesn't ring a bell
2: he's not super well known but you might remember him as marcus from final destination 3 if that rings any bells.
0: Oh,
1: yes. Marcus from Final <laughs>
2: Station 3, of course. Any, anyways, this is a really funny thing I saw the IMDb for this film. I just want to read it out. Dustin Milligan has described his audition for the role of Jason as his worst audition of his career. Milligan got so caught up in the scene that he knocked a hole in the wall with his elbow. He kept going, attempting to mask the hole by lingering in front of it. But the casting agents noticed immediately, and he was forced to pay for the repairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, the old shout classic
1: out... lean in front of some shit. To like... <laughs> yeah.
0: Shout out, Dustin uh, Milligan.
2: That's <laughs> that's too funny. Poor yeah. guy. Poor guy.
0: No, and I don't know. I just I thought that uh, like there's a lot to be said about Jennifer Carpenter here, and I think she did a really good job with what she was given. And uh, I think people like myself included are a little hard on her just because she is so good at being irritating. <laughs>
2: I don't, I didn't necessarily find her irritating. I she's guess she's not. But...
0: Have you seen Dexter though? I haven't seen her in Dexter. No, I've never watched her. There Dexter. you go. Yeah. Cause that's I where d- everyone,
2: I guess I didn't, yeah, I don't find her irritating in this. If anything, like, and that's like a, I guess this is like a preference maybe, but I, I couldn't help but feel like sometimes she was like overperforming a little bit, like with this, you know, but I mean, it, it's an exorcism. It's so an, it's an like, exorcism yeah.
1: movie, Kyle. Come on. I don't know.
2: I, I'm not going to totally like, I didn't say I hated it, but like, there were times where I was like, man, she is like generally shocking. And there's other times where it's like, Oh, I don't know. Like she's shrieking to like, mm-hmm. se- just kind of like tell me that I should be scared right now. But like I'm not really. I don't know. Like yeah, I I don't know. I I guess like all in all, like the film is not necessarily like faith based, but it does a pretty spends a lot of time like trying to say like God is stronger than
0: medicine a lot of the time. And yeah, that's an issue.
2: That that's a little that's a little um,
0: right. You know, we don't
1: fuck with that.
2: I don't know it's just like I think there's better ways to present that kind of thinking not necessarily that like you know it's not relevant because it's absolutely relevant in this in this film it makes a lot of sense uh, to an extent but I, I just think it could have been handled a little bit better and it took me out a little bit from those pretty much excellent courtroom scenes a lot of the time actually so I don't know I don't know pretty pretty long <laughs> but interesting movie
0: yeah yeah i think we can wrap it up here uh and we'll get into talking about the last exorcism next week but does anyone have any final thoughts
1: no i you know i'm I'm trying to i'm trying to think about like i feel like we've we've pretty much roasted the shit out of this movie no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um no i got nothing
2: do you guys think that this film was trying to sort of like reboot the exorcist in a way do you think that's that
0: was its intentions a little bit Well, I think everyone who ever tackles an exorcism story is going to hope that it's going to do something and cash in off of that success.
2: I I guess I'm just I only bring that up because I feel like it was kind of close to right to an extent, because I think this movie had it had a fuck ton of buzz. Like, Mitch, you were just saying you had a whole row of your friends watching a movie like this, which for most of the time is a courtroom drama. Yeah, it's we were kind, 14 kind of fourteen years old. Exactly, it's kind of impressive in a, in a way, right? But it, it also makes sense to me because I can absolutely see a bunch of fourteen year olds in a theater, kind of just watching the courtroom stuff. Some liking it, maybe some not, and just waiting for that next like shocking scene. Like that just makes yeah. sense, right? Like right. And then getting progressively more interesting as the film goes on, which the definitely does because by the time you get to that barn scene or the farm scene, whatever, like that's the most shocking, interesting part of the film in that regard. So. It's interesting to me. Looking back, like, 15 years later, I guess this is, or 16, fuck. 16 oh, God, that's so
0: uh. a <laughs> <laughs>
2: Looking back, I do actually think it's a pretty interesting, like, I, when I think of, like, successful horror films or ones that were, like, really in, like, the public conscious at the time when they were
0: being released, like,
2: this yeah. is you kind know, of... Like this is kind of a weird outlier in a sense.
0: I think you heard it here first. Kyle says uh, this is a modern classic. <laughs> Kyle
1: just said it's a modern classic. There we go. Just an out- an outlier.
0: Guys, boys, keep in mind too. Like that—that's another reason why I like it. Is that around this era like the time where these horror movies were coming out like horror was in a really shitty spot for me like I did not like the J horror remakes like even I, I wasn't a fan of the ring when when I first saw it but I think it was because it scared me so bad actually. But I hated The Grudge, hated like Dark Water and all those like those movies were so they were being pumped out every weekend. And 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 then you have Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I just felt was a different player in the game.
2: Yeah I totally I, totally I mean I definitely agree with you. I think it absolutely is and I think um I don't know. Like I said, like yeah, it was a weird time. You had like things like House of Wax and The Grudge coming out with Exes, Beverly Rose, and Saw. Like and this saw. was
0: it's on Hostel. You know, all that what, shit was happening.
2: That's so weird because like I've talked about it so many times on the show. How about that was like quote unquote like a shitty era for horror? But like if anything, it was a very
0: interesting era for horror. Yeah, right? it, it just wasn't my era. Like it that's wasn't. I to was like, say it's it's more
1: of an accessible horror. It was a different style then. Yes, is it, 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 definitely
2: different style. But like where credit is due like that's a lot of variety to be completely right clear.
0: yeah uh, but know. then it eventually there was a couple years there where like wow. you know because yeah, obviously so, obviously yeah. saw did a lot better than the exorcism of emily rose um so like you, you of course the box office is always going to tell you what you're going to see for the next five years
2: <laughs> we're only a year off from stay alive so i mean you know oh boy <laughs> man that is
0: mind-blowing that, that that stay alive and this could even be remotely compared how much of a better movie exorcism of emily rose is jesus I could not disagree more. (laughs) It's the fifth
2: anniversary of Stay Alive.
0: There's that. (laughs) All right, boys, let's wrap it up. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week in which we're going to be talking about Kyle's pick, The Last Exorcism, and then the week after that, we're going to be talking about anything for Jackson. Uh, So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Terror Table. Take care.